Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Preview Review, the official movie trailer podcast. Official? What's official about us? Well, let me tell you. Tell us. We are officially a podcast. It took us this long to be officially a podcast? No, I, we always have been. Oh, okay. I thought... I'm just saying that's what's official about it us. It sounded like this was a new development. No. And like, this we're is... finally officially I'm... a podcast. I didn't say finally, I just said we are an official podcast. Well, define official podcast. We record and publish our voices on the internet. Wow. I think that's all it takes now. We're published? Yeah, it's not like the old days where you had to go through all the the hoops to be a podcaster. You oh. just gotta upload your voice to the internet, and that's it. That's bada bing bada boom. Whoa, then that means I guess like I'm an official retired YouTuber? Because there are some <laughs> sketches I uploaded in middle school. Every sketch that I filmed for like my <laughs> high school Spanish class. Just Ooh, official... I'm basically a vlogger. Wait, if it's a high school Spanish class... That means you're an official international YouTuber. Wow, that's even, that's next level. I'm an official uh, music video director then, by that logic. Oh, great, 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 great. Well, at, as you can tell, listener, we are overqualified to be hosting this podcast, um, but we do it because we love it. Yeah, and if you're still wondering who we are, I mean, listen to any other episode, but my name is Ryan Toon, and I'm here as always with... Tyler Ellison. Yes, that's correct. And we are official podcasters. Yes, as well as official uh, Spanish linguist uh, educators on YouTube. We are? I mean, well, weren't your videos oh, educational? I was. Yeah, I yes. am. Yes, as well as yes, 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 I am. yes. Mm-hmm. And um, we're also official bloggers. I mean, you've written words on the internet, yes. right? Uh, yes, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, what else are we? We're official uh, experts. Um, Take it as you will. On um, a variety of things. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so as I mentioned, we're, we're obviously overqualified, but this is a passion project. Yes, uh, the P in preview review doesn't stand for preview. It stands for passion. It's passion not an acronym. review. Oh, it, it could be. <laughs> preview review acronym is PR, and it stands for passion required. Oh, and we got that in space. Host this podcast as well as to listen to it. We hope you have a passion for movie trailers or a passion for or anything at least just, you know well i hope you have a passion in general yeah, and that's your nice. life isn't sad and depressing you could have a passion but for this we podcast hope particularly if you're listening to this podcast you have a passion for films and maybe more specifically movie trailers because that's what we do on this podcast is we talk about the trailers the previews for upcoming movies um and we just talk about well, what we think about them. what if they have a passion for our voices they just really love the way we sound. I would appreciate that so much. <laughs> I'm just imagining someone like listening, like with heart eyes. Like anytime they do, they we don't say care a, word. About a single word that we're saying, they're just, it's like an ASMR thing where they just yes. listen for like the soothing and they're so into the it. Soothing they're... tones of Tyler and Ryan. It relaxes them. It, it what's it called? It gives them joy. I so sure much. hope it does. I sure hope it does. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about some trailers for some exciting movies that are coming up and just what we what vibes the trailer gives us, what we think we can expect out of the movie based on the trailer, um, and all that good stuff. So mm-hmm. on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the trailers for the upcoming epic sci-fi film, Dune, uh, the bone-chilling, uh, time-hopping piece of Last Night in Soho. 
the, you know, offbeat, offbeat, quirky anthology film, The French Dispatch. And of course, the next installment in the epic Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel's Eternals. Those are the four films. These are four pretty, this is a pretty big episode. This is hefty. I mm. hope you, I hope you got a good appetite because we're going to, we're going to dig into these uh, blockbuster you... releases. Normally we try to slide in a little like indie darling film here and there, but for well, the most part, I mean, Wes Anderson is kind of indie, but he's been indie for so long that now he's kind of like blockbuster. You know what I mean? He's like a, you know, like he's mainstream indie. Yeah. Like when you think of a hipster film, bro, the first films they're watching are Wes Anderson. He's no longer. It's like when your favorite indie band goes mainstream. Exactly. He kind of sold out. I mean, but he didn't because all his films are still the same. No, I mean, you can't really sell out in the film industry as you can in the music industry. But like for all intents and purposes, like if we're doing the analogy to the music industry, it's like, you know, when he had his big hit, when Green Day put out Dookie, honestly, and if we're doing an analogy like that, Wes Anderson's on like past American idiot. Oh, definitely. He's made his like breakthrough and now he's been like his 21st century break classic after classic. That's it's my first century breakdown, Ryan. I don't know. You're the Green Day fan. I know. That's why I'm doing the analogy. What I thought it was what a Weezer good album. Joke. Do you think they're on? Uh, well, Weezer's different. Um, they're dead. No, because blue, like they have blue, blue is their, like their breakthrough. But that's their first album, so does it count? Well, no, I guess not. They kind of follow a different trajectory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Weezer trajectory has literally been blue, and then like downhill from there. And then we got a little peaks. It's, there's here. like it's like a bumpy ride down, but yeah. it's still generally trending downward. You, some argue that Pinkerton's better than Blue. Is it like a little uphill? Yeah, Pinkerton's the second wheelchair album for all the listeners uh, okay, that don't know. Well, I'm not talking about quality of album. I'm talking about like oh main, popularity, like popularity and success oh. and reach. Well, then uh, Beverly album. Hill is is but their that's only peak. one song. I think Blue album as a whole it has like made a longer culture. Tune in later. Welcome for Weezer to Talk. Weezer Talk. <laughs> Our new podcast within a podcast. Honestly, I feel like we could definitely release... Maybe this is our Patreon where we just, like, do this director to, like, band Oh, that could be kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, hey, we didn't write an opening question this week, so maybe that can be our opening question. (laughs) Which band best represents Wes Anderson's filmography? I think Green Day hits it pretty well. Green Day hits it pretty well because... So, Green Day's... A little bit. This is also influenced by a po- another podcast I've been listening to for a while. I can't tell you what it is because I can't plug another podcast on our podcast. It's but just a, a podcast yeah. I've been listening to, and they're like long episodes, and they basically map out like an entire a band's like trajectory. Um, and Have so I've been thinking Green about I, yeah, I listened to the Green Day episode. I've been thinking about it all a lot recently. Like just they talked a lot about Green Day, but also what it means larger scale for like bands to sell out and like how critical mm-hmm. reception and fam like response changes so much and like honestly i also listened to red hot chili peppers album which is uh not ep- album the episode uh, episode and it was very similar in the fact of like you know the really niche fans are really into them at the beginning and then they like kind of sell out but like also it just gives them a bigger platform and they reach more audiences and like both green day and red, red hot chili peppers are like the biggest rock acts still out there like playing shows and mm-hmm. shit and they're like massive rock bands so like yeah they sold out to like the 50 people that used to go watch him play in a warehouse in Oakland. But like, 
they also are selling out every fucking show they play. So, like, yeah. really? I don't know. And I still think, like, both Red Hot Chili Peppers and Green Day are making music that they're proud of and they enjoy their yeah. art. And so I don't think it's, like... I think to truly, truly sell out, you have to, like, change something about who you are as a person or, or the, the type of art that you make. Mm-hmm. I don't know that either of those bands have been influenced yeah. by that. They've been sort of... They've, like, evolved over time but have really stayed true to, like, their art form, which is true for Wes Anderson. And mm-hmm. so I think, yeah kind of the green day trajectory was like those like two really early albums they had uh 1039 and kerplunk and those were like tapes that got really big and like the bay mm-hmm. those are and green then, day albums yeah okay and i don't they, know those ones and then they released dookie which is like the one. breakthrough that's when they signed with the major label that blew up everywhere and everyone was like oh my gosh this is a, that's so is that like wes anderson's uh moonrise kingdom yeah i think that'd be like moonrise kingdom or maybe I don't know the chronology of his uh, filmography as well. Is Royal Tenenbaums early? That's, that's before, like more like that's in, early that's days. Like, that's what like his Kerplunk or uh-huh. whatever. Like Royal Tenenbaums and uh, Bottle Rocket are back there. Yeah, and then like Moonrise like, Kingdom Aquatic. would be like an early one that really sort of like uh-huh. got you know a household name kind of thing, and then you know a series of films after that that like Green Day had middling albums with like warning and nimrod and there's like there's hits like time mm-hmm. of your life comes out during that period and like all kinds of other and they get like hit songs but there's not really like massive acclaim for anything until american idiot which i think would be like grand budapest hotel because they got like the a oscar huge, like boost to yeah. oh my gosh we forgot kind of how awesome this band was or this director was and now they're back with like another big hit and mm-hmm. then just like blows the doors wide open again kind of thing so I feel like that's yeah. a good analogy. And while you were talking, I figured out which director works best with Weezer's okay, album. Okay, let me know. It's M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. You got the Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense is that's like his the blue. first one. And everything else afterwards gets compared to that. Yes. And then the second, his second movie, is that Unbreakable next? Yes, Unbreakable. And, some and people, people really like, love Unbreakable. It's like a, it's like a cult thing. Like yeah. Some people are really, really into it. And, and some people are like... Just like Pinkerton. It was a huge letdown. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you get towards, like, the more recent stuff. And, like, like there's some couple hits, like Split, like, people really liked. That could be, like, okay, human, you know? Yeah. But then uh, I'm afraid for what Weezer's going to do when they yeah. get to their old era. Yeah, or, like, <laughs> well, I think I think the <laughs> MSM Mod's old, like, or Weezer's old, I guess, would be, like, Van the Weezer? Teal album. Where oh, it's, like, Teal. just a, kind of a vanity project that's not really, like, meant to go anywhere. Interesting. I feel like Teal is, uh, I don't know. Because I feel like Last Airbender doesn't fit with oh, that's movies. True. But it's also like one of the worst films ever made. And Teal isn't horrible. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Maybe that's a, like Hurley or something. Since like Rivers didn't write all the songs on Hurley. And yeah. this isn't. And M. Night didn't write Last Airbender. Usually he writes and directs his films. Yeah. So there we go. Well, there you go. That's our take. Um, th- That's a fun thread. We can revisit this later, I think. Yeah. Oh, why not? We'll see. Let us know if you like it. <laughs> Write us at Preview Review on Twitter. I don't have an expansive enough knowledge of any director's filmography chrono- chronologically or band's album release chronologically to like be able to fully do this well, but I can like kind of get there. <laughs> hey, we said we're experts, but we didn't Just say on what. <laughs> it's not this. There's a hint. All right, uh, Ryan, before we jump into the first trailer for today, mm-hmm. you have seen movies that we previously previewed. Yes, and so they've entered my eyeballs. We do have to go to our recurring segment, and that is Ryan's Review Roundup, where yes. you tell us what you saw and what you thought. And 
as a special surprise for the listener today, we do have a theme song for our answer review roundup. So let's hear it. Thank fucking God. Here's that goddamn theme music that I've been waiting for for 41 episodes. Ryan's review roundup. I love it. It gives me life. Honestly, a round of applause. Fills me with joy. I mean, I'm clapping, but I also made that music. I mean, it's royalty-free music that I altered, but still, I had to do it myself. Kanye didn't reach out to me after our last uh, plea for help. So, you know, I did what Kanye would have done. I did it myself. So you've made music and put it on the internet. You're basically a record producer now. I'm a producer. Yep. Wow. I mean, I'm not selling it. Does that matter? Time to hit up all the all the producers that are on TikTok. Like Benny Blanco, he's on there a lot now. He is. Have you seen him? He just comes in and says like, hey, every song that you used to bop to in the early 2000s, I wrote all of them. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. He's fun in Dave. Have you seen Yeah, them? I've seen him in Dave. I mean, like, now I kind of like know who he is. Like, I, I had seen him in Dave. I know he's a producer. I've seen him on TikTok now. But it felt very much like when he started showing up on my For You page and just saying that he wrote all these songs that used to be like... And he's just like some white dude with an afro. It was literally very much like Thanos Scarlet Witch. Like, I don't even know who you are. (laughs) Well, uh, we already played the theme music and we've got on off track. We need to get back to Ryan's review roundup. Yes, go for it. Let's see. I saw saw Venom Let There Be Carnage. It's exactly what I said it was going to be. Dumb fun for the whole family. It's a lot... like. If you like the first one, it's that, like, the best parts of that ramped up to 11. Uh, It's every superhero movie made in the 2000s with the fun cheese and schlock. Uh, But stay tuned, because the post credit scene is mind-blowing. I do have to say, I've seen some of the, like, spots for Leather Be Carnage now that are, like, Instagram ads or commercials or whatever, like, trying to get people to go see it in theaters. And it feels like the, like, critic quotes that they, like, use to hype up the movie are, like, very carefully selected because they're, none of them are saying they're, it's, like, a good movie, but it'd just be, like, lots of fun or something like it that. Is. Or, it's like, lots of fun. If one of them was, like, just go with it or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. something that I'm just, like, all right, I guess. Like, so you're not saying it's good, but you're saying that, like, it'll be a fun time to go see it. Yeah. Which I believe. I, I think that the Venom franchise is the superhero version of the Fast and Furious franchise. So, if you understand that, you know what you're getting into. Uh, I also saw... Ooh, I forgot. I saw Dear Evan Hansen. The the musical that hopes for Oscar gold. that probably won't get it. Uh, it's not as bad as everybody's been saying it is. But it's not great. Uh, and the fact that Ben Platt looks older than he actually is. And he's already older than his character. Doesn't help. Uh... Also, I think I'm just not a fan of this story. So I don't know if there was anything this adaptation could have really done to like win me over when the whole time I'm feeling kind of gross cheering for this guy that is weaseling his way into this grieving family's life. So, I don't know. Maybe watch it on Netflix. And then I saw Lamb. Tyler and I went and saw Lamb last night, actually. This movie was very atmospheric. It wasn't the horror movie I thought it was going to be. I wouldn't even really say it's a horror movie. Um, it's kind of like a slice of life if your life is an Icelandic farmer raising a half-lamb, half-human hybrid. Um, and honestly, I was I was digging it. I was there the yeah, whole it time. It almost ends more as like a tragedy than like a horror, I would mm-hmm. say. It's very strange. It, it 
get you thinking and it's slow but like that's the pace of their life so it makes sense i think if you're into weird and you're in like if you know the weird that a24 makes and you know that that's for you then this is for you but if you know the weird that a24 makes and that's not for you then run away lots of visual storytelling not a lot of dialogue and the dialogue that is there is subtitled, so if you don't like reading your movies, this isn't for you either. But the last, like, two minutes of the film will leave your jaw hanging on the, like, drop it to the floor. So, exactly. like, there's that. Like, if you want to stick it out for, like, mm-hmm. the gut punch at the end, go for it. Yeah. And I would suggest not looking into it. Like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, But Tyler, we need to hand it over to you for Tyler's review roundup. You saw a movie I haven't seen yes, yet. Yes, I did have the chance to go see the premiere. Not the premiere. But you were at the Hollywood premiere. Opening night, I saw Halloween Kills. And it was everything I wanted. I loved it so much. It's getting mixed critical review right now. Which, I, I mean, like, that's horror for you, honestly. Like, there's very few horror movies that are going to come out and be like, audiences loved it and critics loved it and everybody loves it and it's a great movie like that hasn't happened for a long time and it happens very rarely um but i personally thought it was a fantastic installment in this new revitalized like halloween franchise i thought it uh, followed up the 2018 installment well and sets up halloween ends which comes out next year very well as well um it is very obvious that it's like the middle chapter in the story, but I don't think that makes it bad. I think that it does a lot of really interesting things to do some like elevation of the themes and the plot of the story that move beyond just like following Michael Myers around the town as he kills different people. Like there's different plot lines that are connecting throughout the film um, that I think lead, lead several of the characters in interesting directions that I'm looking forward to seeing how it pays off. Um, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. And I think this will be like a last Jedi situation where I go down with this ship saying that it's a great sequel um, until people either realize I'm right or I die. Hmm. Interesting. But with The Last Jedi, you at least had the critics on your side. This is true. This is true. Honestly, I tried to get it. Like, I read the critic reviews. I don't get... I didn't see what they're saying was bad about this movie. Hmm. Like, I... I feel like we watch different films. Interesting. Maybe I need to rewatch it. Maybe they need to rewatch it. I don't know. Like one of them was saying that they didn't feel like it added anything new to the story. And it literally that like half the movie is it adding something new to the story that like expounds beyond just hmm. Michael Myers. So I, I don't get what they're, what they're seeing. Well, I'll have to see it and, and see what I think. Will we be on the same page with this one? Who knows? Like, I think Who it's knows? very easy to, watch a horror movie through a cynical eye and like is anything going to live up to john carpenter's like halloween absolutely not but this movie is doing something very different like john carpenter's halloween was successful because it was all about atmosphere and tension and they didn't show any blood and it was like this they had blood it just wasn't a lot yeah it was like very minimal Uh like gore and it was like more about the atmosphere Mm -hmm. and this is a lot of like very outright graphic kill scenes and so, like, they're just not the same, like, it's apples and oranges, but I think what it provides to the storyline of these characters, building up the characters of, like, Laurie Strode and her daughter and her granddaughter, I th- and the town of Haddonfield is all, like, roped into this plotline in Halloween Kills, I think is very cool. Do you think it's better than the 2018 film? Um, 
I think there are things that it does better, but like if I were if I were to only want to if I were to only rewatch one, I would probably rewatch 2018 over this mm-hmm. one. Well, that's more of a but complete story like, too. If I wanted to merit, like I I think that looking at the trajectory of it, mm-hmm. I think this film will bring a lot to the franchise once that final chapter comes about. Okay. Does so, that kind of make sense? So you'd currently rank Halloween 2018 above this one, but it's not like the other one's a bad movie. Yeah, my ranking of all the Halloween movies, I actually was just trying to think through this the other day. Obviously, the John Carpenter... 78 one. Mm-hmm. the top, then 2018, then Halloween Kills. The next mm-hmm. one, fourth on the list, is called Halloween H2O, which I, we, you haven't seen. I haven't seen that one. And it's like... I've heard la- it's really good. The last time they tried to do like a... We're going to do a direct Halloween sequel and a, like ignore all the stuff that mm-hmm. happened in like 4, 5, and 6. Well, yeah. Um, but that one that one doesn't ignore Halloween 2, but the new it's one Halloween, does, right? It's, yeah, it's Halloween, Halloween 2, and then H2O. Okay. The new ones are just Halloween to 2018. Halloween, Halloween, yeah. Halloween kills. Yes. Halloween, Halloween, Halloween kills. Halloween, Halloween ends. ends. No more song. That's it. <laughs> now, you're a music producer, too. That could be well, considered a song. Thanks. It's acapella. Thanks. Well, what do you say we uh, get off of this music bandwagon and hop on to the <laughs> yeah, space? Yeah, I also just thought about Halloween for like five minutes. You want to go to space, Tyler? Let's Everyone's do it. Everyone's going to space. Jeffrey Bezos, Elon Musk, William Shatner, Denny, Denny Villeneuve. Villeneuve. <laughs> We're all going to space. <laughs> um, this first film is Dune. It comes out October 22nd. It's directed by Denny Villeneuve, who's done Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, you know his name, but you might not have seen his films because that's how his box office looks. Uh, it stars Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Zendaya, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem, and I don't know, everyone's in this freaking movie. Isn't uh, Dave Bautista in this movie too? Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, he was in the trailer. So this is uh, the newest adaptation of Frank Herbert's novel Dune, which is like an influential sci-fi novel influenced probably most of the sci-fi things you love today uh it looks like it takes things from like the house like uh hierarchy of like game of thrones with house House lannister house stark but like now it's in space house atreides or whatever and timothy chalamet is the young protagonist whose dad is oscar isaac who looks like he's the king of one of these houses and he has friends in jason momoa and um josh brolin and they have to go to the sandy planet Dune, where he meets Zendaya, who he's been having dreams about. And then, I guess, um, Dave Batista and the Black Goo people come, and they're the bad guys. This is what I'm getting from the trailer. I don't know much about Dune. Um, my dad was watching the old one on TV the yeah, other day, a, and I saw an parts of it. adaptation directed by David Lynch, which is supposed to be like it's really weird. weird. I saw parts of it, um, and it has Kyle MacLachlan, and it's a lot of voiceover work. And I kind of noticed some of that in this trailer, like Timothy Chalamet doing that same thing. Um, but I'm excited. It looks like it's really visually stunning. Uh, the sci-fi elements look really cool. The spaceships and their outfits. It looks like it's an exciting film, and I'm just curious to see what it's all about. Yeah, I think they have like this trailer has like a another like press blurb in it that's like the new star wars slash war of the rings is finally here and that looks like exactly what villeneuve is going for here it's like establishing the new epic space opera mm-hmm. that's going to be like defining of a generation or whatever 
Um, but it definitely looks a lot more. I mean, it's definitely not as like I would say hokey or campy as like the '77 Star oh, Wars was, but or that's even Dune in the '80s in 2021. Uh-huh. And so, like, the color grading is darker. And it's a lot more like visceral and like the battle scenes and stuff mm-hmm. like that that you can tell. Um, but it's you know very large scale cinematography of these like battles in mm-hmm. space and uh you can tell the score is going to be that like very epic kind of defining mm-hmm. um soaring melodies and stuff like that and so you can understand what's going for i don't get a lot about the plot or the character motivations or like any of that really from the trailer there's like a lot of it feels like very generic like epic sci-fi fantasy lines like mm-hmm. once i get re- once i and beyond my fear, I become truly myself or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. don't know what he's afraid of. Don't know who he's trying to become. Don't know what he's trying to do. But we know that he is like on this journey of like sort of yes. self-discovery or and whatever. That's, that's part of the things that like one of the things I'm worried about with this movie is since it is based on the book that inspired everything. When we watch it in 2021, are we going to go, oh, these are the old tropes. It's going to feel like it's all been done before. You know? Yeah. And I think it, it's going to be it's going to really have to try to distinguish itself from all the successful franchises mm -hmm. that have come forward, but also like everything that's failed. I think about how many like new epic sci-fi installment, like things have remember John Carter established John Carter, the freaking Assassin's Creed movie, the like Prince of Persia. Like these are video game adaptations for some reason, but they're also true. But you know, like they're trying, Uh they're trying to do the same thing. The world building, the like, fucking roster of a dozen a-list and mm-hmm. b-list actors that are like household names to like get you in the yes. theater like it feels like all of this has been done so much before mm-hmm. that i think it's gonna really ha- have to like identify has itself. to stun you yeah and be understandable i mm-hmm. want to that's another fear i have is i want to be able to come home and say like i get the plot i kind of understand mm-hmm. where these character arts are going i kind of understand what i just watched and not just like it was atmospheric, but I don't really know all that much about yeah. like, what actually happened. And uh, I'm also interested, intrigued because Villeneuve has said that this is only like he's only adapting the first half of the book because he wants to. He's like the book's too expansive. I can't do it all in one movie. I'm hoping to get a sequel. So like, hopefully this movie does well and connects with audiences because I, I mean, just from the trailer alone, I I want to at least see the sequel to see the full story of the first book. Yeah, and, but I mean, I don't even know if, <laughs> I don't know if I'll want to see the sequel because I need, well, I think I'll need to see the first half to know if I want to know. I'm already I, campaigning for the sequel. I mean, I don't want to go in and watch this movie and then like it ends and I never get to see the finish of the story, you know? I mean, you, what if you go in and it's like, oh, this is so bad. I don't want to see the rest of this. I'm already committed, baby. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to watch both halves no matter what. It's true. Um. And it's already been getting great reviews. People in Europe already have seen this movie. It's been out for like a month over there. And they're saying it's great. Audiences are going to see it and they're loving it. Uh, our friend who lives in Spain right now like texted me the day he saw it and said, Have you seen Dune yet? And I said, No, it's not out in the United States yet. And he said, Oh, well, I just saw it and it's really good. I think you'll love it. So nice. that gets me excited. And I mean, 
I don't blame him for not knowing the U.S. release schedule <laughs> of films. Well, it's funny because I feel like so often we get stuff in the U.S. before like international markets mm-hmm. do, and so it's a little bit. Or it's like very day and date, or like within a couple days, yeah, you know, or like a week. Yeah. But this the was same like week, like a Monday and a Friday mm-hmm. or whatever. And this yeah. was like a month before. Like he texted me like yeah, last it's month weird that it's been like it's gonna be like on its way out over there as we're like uh-huh. getting it here. Yeah, but apparently people are loving it over. I in do Europe. have to say when I went to see halloween kills mm-hmm. apparently there was like an advanced screening of dune at the theater oh, yeah? that i went to and i was in the bathroom going pee before halloween kills nice nice and gotta pee. i was washing it my hands Ooh, afterwards. hygiene you know you gotta do it and the guy washing his hand next to me said are you here for dune and i was like oh no and he's like oh i am i'm very excited so i'm glad that he was excited wow he didn't have anything to say about the movie because he hadn't seen it yet. Hype from Bathroom Man. But he was very excited That's to see cool. it. That's cool. I said, I'm here for Halloween Kills. He said, oh. I'm excited for Dune. He like didn't acknowledge Halloween at all. It was very funny to me. Hmm. Maybe he's one of those people who are like, I'm here to see the high art Villeneuve film. And you're here for the schlock horror franchise. Plebeian, get out of my face while I wash <laughs> my hands. You can dry your hands on that side of the bathroom. I'll dry mine on this side. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Well... Well, Bathroom Man, if you're listening to our podcast, we hope you liked Dune, and we hope you liked the trailer for Dune, because we liked the trailer for Dune. Yeah. It, it's it's a good trailer. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's my favorite trailer. Well, I don't want to spoil We don't talk end. about that yet. We don't talk about that yet. I think I have I have some issues with the trailer. What are your issues? But, I like, what I've mentioned is, like, it, oh, feels, okay, like, okay. it feels like it's feels generic. Fo- focused on, like, the generic uh-huh. and, like, more of the atmosphere, which, like, I appreciate more in a like niche film like lamb when it's more atmospheric mm. where it's like that's sort of the draw is uh-huh. like figuring out what the story is about yeah but here i feel like i need to be told what's different about this like than star wars opera or yeah movie because otherwise it just feels like rinse and repeat mm-hmm. but i trust denny because i'm one of the few humans on earth apparently that saw blade runner 2049 and i really liked it um so i hope that he c- carries like an- another cool artistic mm-hmm. vision out with this film. I think that he is very committed to like a vision that he has for this film. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yes. Well, let's crash land down from space and wind up in London in the sixties and also modern day. Whoa. How can we be in both places at once? You'll find out when you go see last night in Soho coming to theaters, October 29th. This film was directed by Edgar Wright, who did Shaun of the Dead, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Baby Driver. And this film stars Thomas McKenzie, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Matt Smith. So this movie looks like, as I mentioned, it's taking place over two periods of time. Now, how this happens is apparently, like, Thomas McKenzie is traveling to London to go to school. She's, like, obsessed with, like, the culture and the fashion of the 60s. And she starts having these, like, visions, maybe dreams, maybe more, of another woman on taylor joy who lived in the 60s and had this like career and relationship with a man played by matt smith and i think it looks like eventually matt smith ends up killing on taylor joy and thomas <gasps> mckenzie witnesses this through her like vision slash dreams and she's like basically trying to like solve a murder that's unsolved and take place in the past it's like basically every like cold case a murder podcast like fans what dream of like Ooh. i'm gonna like have access to information and i can like go back and solve like an unsolved crime um that the police like never were able to figure out that's what that's the vibe i'm getting from this but all of this is embedded in like 
the music and the fashion and the style of the 60s in London, mm-hmm. which is really cool. I just think, like, atmospherically, this movie does a lot of neat stuff. I love, they have a new freaking poster marquee set up at, Ooh, at the, the commission? At the theater, where it's, like, just a neon sign, That's like, embedded fun. in the, like, black marquee stand, which is super mm-hmm. awesome. Um, so I think, like, this, tra- this trailer, this movie gives me, like, all the vibes, but also... I think the story will be interesting, and the performances from Thomas and Mackenzie and Taylor Joy look cool. I think it's like a fun psych thriller, maybe a little bit of horror element, mm-hmm. um, which is like a departure for Edgar Wright because he usually does comedies. He normally does comedies. He's done like I mean, he has like comedy, maybe dark comedy with some like action thrown in, like in Baby Drivers. There's some good action sequences. Scott mm-hmm. Pilgrim, obviously, Hot Fuzz has some of the like best action sequences for a That's comedy true. movie. Um, Shaun of the Dead and but, The World's End also have action sequences. Yeah, but Edgar obviously has like a knowledge of horror movie like concepts and tropes. Like Shaun of the Dead is a horror comedy. Like mm-hmm. it plays off of zombie movie tropes and things and like that. But the World's End is all about him... like alien invasion. Yeah, we've never seen him do something that's like directly this dark. Um, even Baby Driver, I feel like, is maybe his darkest in terms of, That's like, just because Kevin Spacey's drama. in it. Well, yeah. But <laughs> it even still has a lot of lightheartedness to it that it doesn't look like this movie's oh. gonna have, like, at all. No, this is a darker turn for Edgar Wright. Um, I'm excited to see where he goes with it. Um, something that I thought in the trailer was interesting that, like, they don't touch on as much, but it looks like as the film goes on, like, Thomas and McKenzie, like, changes her style to look more like Anya Taylor-Joy did. Yeah. And... It's like, oh, she's longing to be in that world, but then she finds out this horrible mistake and has to go, you know, uh, solve the murder mystery and runs into, like, Terrence Stamp, who I think we're supposed to believe is, like, old man Matt Smith, but maybe he's not. They don't really ever say, like, hey, didn't you look like Matt Smith yeah. when, uh, you know, Sean Connery was James they Bond? They don't confirm or deny anything. Mm-mm. Um in the trailer, which I think is cool, and I think this movie will have like twists and turns to oh, like, the plot, and it's not going to be super straightforward. And like, this is it, and when you tidy it up, like I feel like it's going to take a lot of uh, turns, and it also looks like other people start to like be affected by the like blending of timelines too. Like this shows like her friend getting like I don't know. It feels like there's like a creep of the timeline too. That's it's not just like she just sees it in her dreams and then mm-hmm. she goes. That feels like a, a very basic plot line. And yeah, I think Edgar Wright's gonna go a, like a little bit level past that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you kind of. I don't know. I feel like I'm getting the sense that both Thomas or that uh, Anya Taylor Joy and Matt Smith kind of are aware that Thomas McKenzie's like watching them. Yes. But like, how is that possible? Like, is it actual time travel? Is it a vision? What's going on? Yeah. Exactly. There's, like, some kind of psychic link yet to be explored. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't even know that it needs to answer all the questions in the movie for it to be cool or well done. I think that it could leave enough things open-ended and have it be a little bit more atmospheric and vibey mm-hmm. in the way that these things happen. And I think I'd be okay with that. This doesn't seem like the type of movie that I need all the questions to be answered. I agree. Um, to enjoy sort of, like, mm-hmm. the overall impact of the, the narrative. Yeah. I mean, the trailer already didn't answer all the questions but i liked the trailer yeah definitely yeah i think if if the team that put the movie together had any hand in putting the trailer together i'll I'll enjoy Mm. the movie perfect Uh, because it definitely seems like they're doing a good job with setting up what this film's all about um it's an interesting approach to have this movie take place over two different time periods um i don't know that we see this too often like the movies that have like flashbacks uh-huh. somewhat regularly but like to have such an extended flashback or um 
like kind of two parallel like two narratives timelines going on at the is, same time in uh, the film story yeah that's a little bit more of a rare occurrence um and so ryan i put together a little a little quiz for you what um a of quiz? movies that do take place in two different time periods now some of these may be more considered like a flashback or at least an extended flashback i think all of these are like at the very least there's like more than one scene that's that like takes place in the different years so it's not just like a one flashback thing it's like one piece of narrative is happening at this time and then it's also affecting this other piece of uh, okay narrative. movies with two timelines yeah. or two different time periods present i understand exactly I understand. Okay. so what i'm gonna do ryan is i'm gonna give you the two different years that during which that are take being place mm-hmm, in this movie mm-hmm. okay um and i'm also gonna give you two of the film's leading actors and you're gonna have to tell me what the title of the movie that you think it is okay does that make sense yes i'm up for the challenge i would say like you know 2021 and 1962 with uh thomas mckenzie and and you would say last night in soho yeah easy we just talked about that trailer easy if the next one's dune i've got this well i don't even know what year that takes place in all right are you ready to play ryan oh yeah all right the first time gap is between 1996 and 1912. And this film stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. That's interesting, because I think Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, and I first think of Titanic. But I know that movie doesn't take place in the 90s or in 2012. No, 1912. Oh, you said 2012. 1996 and 1912. I thought you said 2012. Oh, then I'm going Titanic for it sure. It is Titanic. Okay, okay. Because it opens with the scene of yes. Kate Winslet. In the present day, which was 96. Day yes. Yeah. I thought you said 2012 and I was like, oh, yeah. I've got to wrap my brain. What yeah. is it? Uh, I was like, you better get this one. That's why it's <laughs> the first one. Okay. Sorry. Yes. 1996, 1912 uh, are the two timelines for the James Cameron film Titanic. Woo! All right. Let's go for a little bit of a harder one. Aw. Okay. 1998 and 1888. And this film stars Shia LaBeouf and Sigourney Weaver. Holes. It's holes. Easy. That's correct. Madame Zeroni. She's back in the 1800s. Yeah, yeah throw it back to uh, Dulé But the present Hill. day is 88 in that film? 1998. Oh, 98. I guess I could see that. They don't really establish what year the modern events are taking place in, but that's the year that the book was published. So that's like... Canon. Like contempor- yeah. Like contemporary mm-hmm. with the book. Okay. All right. Let's... Move on to question number three. You got both of them right so far. Let's go. Let's go. These years are 1998 and 1944, starring Tom Hanks and Matt Damon. Uh, Tom Hanks, Matt Damon. What movie are they in together that has multiple timelines? Ooh. Uh, 1998. So maybe that's the present day. So thinking about movies that are in the 90s. And then you said 1948. 44. 44. So still, like, 50 years prior. Who's going to the past 50 years? Well, I know Forrest Gump takes place over a bunch of time, that's but true. I don't think that's what we're going for, and I don't think Matt Damon's in that. Um, uh, is I, I haven't seen Catch Me If You Can, but I know that's another Tom Hanks movie that came out in, like, the early 2000s. Maybe it was about the 90s. Oh, it's it just came to me. 
Is this Saving Private Ryan? It is Saving Private Ryan. Yes. Similar to uh, Titanic, this has, you know, the frame An establishing of shot, yeah. them visiting the cemetery mm-hmm. um, in I always forget Tom Hanks is in that movie, but he's the title character. No, he's not Private Ryan. He's the guy that saves Private Ryan. Yes, that's what I meant. I meant Matt Damon. I always forget Matt Damon. Oh, yeah. Yes, my bad. But yes, I always forget who Private Ryan is. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, I'm Ryan. It's Matty Boy. It's not me. They're not saving my privates. I like used to hear the name of this movie all the time when I was younger, and I never really understood. Like It was like Private Ryan, like a private in the army. I was like... Who's Ryan and why is he so private? Like he was like secretive. Or yeah, like don't that. look at my files. I understand that at all. Now I know it's just a war movie. Okay. Um, I actually don't even know that I've seen that movie all the way through. I know I I'm haven't. Sure it's I've seen good. parts of it. All right, let's go on. You got three right, three to go. Okay. This time gap is from 2004 to 1940. And stars Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. The Notebook. You got Easy. it. The Notebook. That's They're old people at the end. They are. And the beginning. I don't remember the bad. beginning. All right. I've only Question seen The Notebook five. once. This time gap. 1961 and 1906. Stars Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks. Emma Thompson? Nanny McPhee herself? What movie is she in with Tom Hanks? There's multiple times. I don't know. Final answer. Pass. Pass. This is Saving Mr. Banks. Oh. Because there's a plot. There's, there's like a the, different timeline. Yeah, there's the plot of oh, like her Colin growing up Farrell. in Australia. Yes. Right. And like her reflecting on her experiences with her dad as a young girl. And then multiple scenes where they're flashing back to 1906. Yes. And then also in the 60s where, you know, she's talking to Walt. Mm-hmm. Well, I should have known that. I think when I said Nanny McPhee, I tricked myself because Nanny McPhee and P.L. Travers are two very different characters. Yeah, they are very different characters. Mm, I played myself. That's all right. That's only your first loss. So you've still got four correct. Well, you know what they say about the first loss? It's the deepest. All right. Four correct, one incorrect. Let's see where this final question lands. Okay, okay. This one will be interesting. I don't know if you know this one, but... I want you to prove me wrong. This time gap is between 1944 and 1946. Only a few short years. Okay. Stars Bing Crosby and Danny Kay. What is this? Uh, Holiday Inn? No, other one. White Christmas? Yeah. I like Holiday Inn better, I think. White Christmas, you know, we got the timeline of them when they I, were soldiers honestly, in the war. Honestly, I don't remember. They're the same movie in my brain. And then White Christmas, like, in White Christmas, it starts off with them being soldiers in the war and then it like flashes forward after they've like had a couple of years of successful post career post war mm-hmm. career and they like reconnect with their old general yes. and they put on the show for him which is the one that has blackface cuz i like the other one better i don't think white christmas has blackface so i like that one better than holiday and then i guess cuz yeah. i'm pretty sure one of them has blackface this one this is just a classic movie that uh Veronica and i watch every christmas and i Remember that it had two different timelines, and so this mm. one I came up with off the top of my head. Ooh, top of the dome. Yep. Well, congrats. You got, well, I guess I... Like four and a half. Think, yeah, it's four and a half. Four and a half. That's we'll good. Take four that's and good. Half. That's good. That's good. That's still well solid. Well done, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. I'm an expert. Yes, you are. <laughs> well, our next film, Tyler, just jumping right back in. 
is The French Dispatch. This one comes out on October 22nd. It's directed by Wes Anderson, that guy we were talking about who's a lot like Green Day. Uh, <laughs> he's known for Royal Tenenbaums, Moonrise Kingdom, Grand Budapest Hotel, so many more, even like Dookie and American Idiot. Uh, this film stars Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, Tilda Swinton, Benicio Del Toro, Francis McDormand, wow. Billy Joel Osment, wow. Timothy Chalamet, wow. Edward Norton, wow. Saoirse Ronan, wow. Adrian Brody, and like 20 other people. Like the end of this trailer, they just show like 17,000 names and then like people bursting through walls. And that's the joke that there's a lot of people in this movie. I think this is the equivalent also of doing the Wes Anderson Green Day parallel. Like all the stars that are frequent collaborators with him are like all of Green Day's like massive singles. Oh, like, okay. They're like, like all from different albums or like di- they appear in different movies, but they're like so. This is well his known. greatest hits album. I mean, maybe. I think his greatest hits. Yeah, I think this could be like a considered a greatest hits. So what it's this... like pulling a lot of different yeah. collaborators that have been in several of his different. How projects. is he doing it? How are there these many famous people in one movie? Well, it's not one story. What? It's an anthology. So it's the French Dispatches. It's like Wes Anderson wanted to make four movies, and then was like, "I can't make them all long enough. Let's make one movie with four different little stories." Ah, you know what I mean? Okay. I also think maybe he was inspired by the the Coen Brothers Ballad Scruggs anthology that went to Netflix. Oh, that was pretty fun. That was all right. It's like you know, it's atmospheric. It like just you know, it's a cowboy movie. It's like all these things are like falling under mm-hmm. the umbrella of like the old West, mm-hmm. but let's tell some different stories about that. And this is, I feel like it's kind of a similar thing. Yeah. So it's like all Bill Murray circulate around this newspaper, uh-huh. but it's like different little vignettes yeah. of like how they interact around different projects. So like the framing device is like Bill Murray's the head of this newspaper or this magazine called the French Dispatch. And then every story is like an article or a, a story that someone has written and they like go and like live out that story in the vignette so there's like one where francis mcdormand found a bunch of like rebel teenagers like les mis or something like that and there's one where um what uh jeffrey wright goes to jail i think and there's one about food like ratatouille but adrian brody's there no i don't think he's in the food one i think he's in the benicio del toro and he wants to buy his art Adrian Brody wants to buy the art from Benicio Del Toro. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to find a through plot line because there's like four different stories being told in this one trailer. But you can, like, it's very obvious it's a Wes Anderson film. The aesthetic is there. The, like, symmetry is there. The colors are what you expect from a Wes Anderson film. Even the humor. There's some extended sequences in black and white as well, which is interesting because I feel like Wes Anderson normally does so much with color. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting approach, I think. But he's still carrying through, like, the symmetry and the like kind of like set design mm-hmm. all that type of stuff that he uses but yeah. in black and white which is funny i mean it looks like a wes anderson film like cranked up to 11 so if you're a wes anderson fan you'll probably already know about this film and you probably already have your tickets yep so i'm excited i haven't really seen a lot of marketing for it but like no i've known that it's been on the horizon yeah. and I'm excited there was more marketing soon. before it got delayed because of the shutdown but now I guess there's just too many movies to market all of them. Yeah, and this is a searchlight feature, so that means it's under the Disney umbrella. And Disney has so many films coming out this year. Like this seems like one that just kind of got like pushed to the corner, which is kind of sad. It's maybe like one it of big directors. We're not like maybe they're doing a very like targeted algorithmic approach, and we're uh-huh. not like recognized well, by Disney as being like true Wes Anderson fans. Even when I went on YouTube to look for the trailers, like 
the most recent trailer in the United States, at least, is from a year ago. Yeah. They haven't been putting out, like, new no. materials for it. It's and, like, no like, new posters. If you know, you know. Which I feel like is a vibe for Wes Anderson. It definitely is. I, Maybe this, he's trying to get back to his indie roots. He's like, don't market this one yeah, that Yeah, he's much. like, keep it on the DL. He's like, I know I made this movie for Fox, but then you bought Fox and this movie just came along with it. That's okay. He doesn't want that's that okay. Disney marketing money. He wanted it like niche. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it'd be fun. I like. I always enjoy sort of like the witty dialogue that goes into this. I enjoy the visuals that Wes Anderson creates. Um, the cast is phenomenal. I love so many of these actors, and I think they'll be fun to see uh, together on screen. I am worried this will fall into the classic one Wes Anderson trap for me, which is like. I get bored like 75% of the way through the movie. Mm. And then I'm like, then like when it hits kind of like act three, I'm like, okay, I'm back in. But like, it kind of feels like sometimes it's like it crests and it like lulls just a little bit. And then like, by the time it wraps up, you're like, oh, that was nice. That was pleasant. Uh-huh. But like, sometimes it feels like they just overstay their welcome a little bit longer for me personally. My issue with Wes Anderson is sometimes I feel like he thinks he's more clever than he is. And that's more with like the films I in the earlier Wes Anderson pantheon, but I think his newer stuff like Moonrise Kingdom and uh, Grand Budapest and I Love Dogs I think have all been great. So maybe he's turned that corner and left the I'm too clever for this shit behind. Yeah. But then he went and made a movie called The French Dispatch, which is an anthology film about a magazine and articles. It's a little highbrow. It seems but... <laughs> like he's been one. You know, he turned the corner and he turned right up his ass. I mean, I didn't say it. Yeah. But I did. I mean, you know what I mean. I, I feel like I'll watch this movie and I'll be like super invested in the first two or three stories that are shown. And then like by the time the fourth one rolls around, you're like, oh, are we really doing this again? But then it'll land in like a sweet, heartwarming place, and you're like, "Oh, that was a fun time." You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like a. It's just sometimes I feel like they're just they stick around a little bit too long. Uh, well, maybe this will be hap- like better for you because it won't stick around it's too long. It's a little short story every like you know thirty minutes. That's true. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And that's what we'll have to do. We'll have to go see it on October twenty second in theaters. I mean, I don't know if I'll go that day, but we'll we're going opening night. Just like you went to go see Halloween, we're going to go be the guy in the bathroom. You're here to see the French Dispatch. I'm here for French Dispatch. Get get your get schlock away. Bent. If you're, you're here, here for Venom, you there be carnage. Gross. No, thank you. I'm here for the true art. Uh speaking of true art, let's wrap up this episode by talking about a, you know, huge franchise film but hey it's from <laughs> director of academy award-winning director chloe yes, Zhao. i know coming hot off of nomadland chloe Zhao is directing marvel's eternals coming into theaters on november 5th starring Gemma chan richard madden kumail nanjiani brian tyree henry kit harrington sama hayek and angelina jolie another real big who's who of like hot hollywood actors right now so Two hot of right the now. dude from game of thrones which is just like, okay. They got a prequel. Matt Smith's in it. They got that TV money. And now they're getting that Marvel money. Um, Kumenon Johnny was like, you know, sort of niche comedian and then Silicon Valley. And now he's like a huge action star, which is like, didn't expect, didn't see that coming. But well, congrats. He got ripped for Marvel. I'm getting ripped tonight. Getting that Eternals money. Getting that Eternals body. Have and, you seen him? And money. He's got the V, um, Tyler. But I mean, Angelina Jolie and Selma Hayek, they're like maybe a little bit more like, you know, they were like 90s and 2000s like superstars. And now they're like, this feels like kind of like a reemergence for them. Angelina Jolie was just in a 
that movie where she was a firefighter. Yeah, that, her heart uh, was really bad. I didn't like it. Yeah. And Selma Hayek, you saw her in, like, A Boss last year. Yeah, I mean, they've been in stuff, but, like, you know, they were, like, the household name A-list actresses, like, mm-hmm. a decade ago. Maybe even more than one decade ago now. Um, Three decades ago. But, you know, now they're kind of coming back. And Angelina Jolie definitely feels like it's a little bit of stunt casting here. Like, it, I feel like the trailer... There's, like, a few key shots of her, but I definitely feel like in the movie she's not going to be, like, as big of a mm-hmm. role. Um, she's more of, like, a... Yeah. Not, like, cameo, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, that sort of, like, guest appearance, almost. Oh, really? Okay. That's the vibe I'm getting. But maybe not. Maybe she is, like, the new Marvel leading lady. I mean, she did Maleficent, and that's kind of, like, a leading role. Who's to... Who's to... Who's so she, to replace... She Disney. Uh, poor, sweet... What's her name? What are you talking Colin about? Colin Jost's wife. Scarlett, oh, Johansson Scarlett Johansson is no longer the Marvel leading lady, so why not Angelina Jolie? Why nah, not? We already know the new Marvel leading lady is Elizabeth Olsen. WandaVision took over. Yeah, Elizabeth Olsen was fantastic at WandaVision. But we'll just have to see the performance in Internals. Yeah, but what's this movie all about? we just been I talking about people. I literally don't know. So I truly don't know. Apparently, Eternals are these like godlike heroes aliens. that have been on Earth for thousands of years that are sworn to protect Earth, but not against anything that's like happening on earth only to protect them from these other creatures or other like alien type mm-hmm. of beings that could reemerge and attack earth and they're there to defend earth from this like one specific threat which is why they've had to be like be in hiding for thousands of years and haven't been able to intervene when like thanos was an issue or any of the other mcu stuff or even like you know the holocaust and like other really bad things in human history they couldn't intervene because they took this oath which is like Okay, that's a clever way to like write around that, but also like then you have to pay it off because this new threat needs to be a big ass fucking deal, bigger than wiping out half the universe because like they couldn't step in when Thanos was involved. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Marvel is like really setting itself up to like they need to nail this or else it's gonna fall flat. Yeah, this is like a similar situation where they had with Captain Marvel, where they had like this crazy super powered person that could like defeat any threat. And they've been here for, like, the whole time the MCU has been going on, but they hadn't stepped in until now because of reasons. Like, they want to, like, give this retroactive, like, continuity, but then also not have it affect the rest of the films that already happened because that would break their one continuous timeline storyline that they have going on. So, but I think, like, their reasoning makes sense. Like, right, they've been sent here to protect us from the deviants, which are, like, they're, they look like, I don't know. They kind of look like Venom monsters. Um, but, and the Deviants are only coming back now because, like, Thanos snapping, like, put energy into the universe or something. I don't know. And I think There's it was line. Iron Man snap bringing all the life back. Ah. Uh, like, well, created a big enough energy. No, that pool. was a Hulk snap that brought people snap. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing that they like show us to like who told you what was the mandate who gave you this mandate they show us celestial which like we've only heard stories about and they're like these giant crazy alien things that are supposedly the most powerful creatures in the marvel universe like so yeah i can see why you wouldn't want to break your promise to that thing it's like a scary giant robot man in space um but like i still don't understand what the eternal's powers are like do they all have the same powers richard madden has laser eyes angelina jolie has like a spear that she can summon and they all kind of like have this like yellow line light energy going yeah, they on. They all have like, a, it's like they all have like aesthetically similar powers, but it's like manifested in different ways. Mm-hmm. And like, it looks like this is, it reminds me of like 
the the Muppet movie where they have to go and like collect all the Eternals and bring them yes. like getting the band back together to yeah, defeat the Eternals. Yeah, it's very that kind of storyline, I mm-hmm. think. But I don't know. I I think what I'm worried about is like I think the scale of this movie will be very impressive, but like down the line, was the setting up for Marvel? Like, are you really telling me that these Eternals that are like sworn to protect Earth from this one, only one cosmic threat, they're gonna fight alongside like? rocket raccoon and war machine like that is like a comparable like ally against this threat like it feels like it's very much just like and think about all this other stuff that marvel has on deck like the hawkeye show like Mm -hmm. is the little bow and arrow Haley steinfeld that hawkeye's gonna train in this series is she gonna like step in eventually and help fight these like giant alien monsters like i guess that's kind of a at least like the original avengers movie and then even with thanos like they did a pretty good job of like scaling the action to where everybody could kind of like step in Mm -hmm. but eventually it feels like these threats are going to be like so large that like a teenage girl that can shoot arrows really well doesn't feel like all that helpful against these like giant cosmic threats i mean but that's always like been a common complaint with hawkeye too like but even like so they scaled it well in avengers of like they teamed him up and then he was right and he could like pick out the little like henchmen people mm-hmm. which i guess there will always be the little henchmen for like for a Haley steinfeld to shoot to, right to yeah. take out but, but. It, it does feel weird going from like this super small like shang chi which was the last marvel movie right and it's like just some dude in like san francisco who's good at martial arts like and now he has magic rings but he didn't before that and he like went the whole movie almost without them to now like literal gods you know, but I guess that's how Marvel's always been, right? Like, how are these things going to mesh together? How is the guy who built a robot suit going to work with the man from the 40s with a shield with the God of Thunder? Yeah. You know, so totally. I guess that's like kind of the magic of Marvel is how they bring them all together. But I get what you're saying with like when they keep elevating the stakes, how are you going to like bring the lower like powered heroes up yeah. as well? Yeah, and also I think uh, on a broader storytelling scale, how you can how are you going to continue to humanize the characters in the story when the the threats and the like sort of existential like things in question are so large? Like mm-hmm. you need to do this very high level storytelling and also like still make the characters relatable and like lovable, and that gets hard to do. I think sometimes when you're like balancing this, you know, high wire act. Yeah. Well, um, honestly, I haven't seen a Marvel movie that is bad yet, an MCU movie. This is true. I mean, there are some ones that there I are like weaker less. ones, but there's no bad movies, for so, sure. So, Marvel still has my trust, and Chloe Zhao just won an Academy Award. The movie, like, the trailer looks great. Yeah, it a looks big cool, but it also point... doesn't look like Nomadland. Like, well, Chloe Zhao's doing a very different type of directing with this film than she did for the film which she won an Oscar for. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's also an interesting challenge to see her vision for this, like, very high-budget, like large-scale epic Mm -hmm. sci-fi film be very different than like the tight like focused drama the interesting thing is though like it is similar camera like work done Mm -hmm. because she fought hard to make it so they can like shoot outside with uh like you know natural lighting for eternals which is something like no big hollywood studio would do they're like no we're gonna put you on the sound stage or we're gonna put you on the green screen like We'll fix it in post. Like, don't worry about that. But Chloe Zhao was like, no, if I'm the director, I want this. So, like, they need to go stand on that cliff. And, like, we need to do it at, like, 2.32 so the sun can be in the right place. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, that's kind of cool. I don't know how much that's needed, though. But it's it, it's a cool anecdote. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like in a smaller film like Nomad, like Nomadland, like the very intentional choices of like lighting and camera work and outdoor setting, like they punctuate the film a lot better. Like, uh, or they punctuate it more effectively because the scale of the story is smaller. Mm-hmm. But when you're telling this massive eternal story about these like godlike creatures thousands of years and there's all this cgi and all this stuff on top of it it's like is that like 10 second shot of them even though it's like really well put together and well composed shot it's on the poster is it gonna be as like oh like i can totally see the value that the shots bring into the story when there's so much else going on you know what i mean well we'll have to find out we'll have to see yeah i I mean i think we'll be able to tell and we will be able to see like we'll be able to see her vision come through in the film but it's just a matter of like i think that's more of like how do the folks at Marvel balance this, like, really talented directorial eye they have crafting a vision for this story, and also, like, it needs to tell the story they want it to tell, which mm-hmm. is, like, very high-budget, very CGI-driven, yeah. she's like, a very weird choice for this film, you know? Yeah. But, hey, I'm excited to see how it works out. I mean, Kenneth Branagh was a Shakespeare guy, and he did Thor, like, the guy in space, uh, and I thought that he made Asgard look great, so... Yeah. Yeah, and I think this will set up like some really cool ways that Marvel can tell stories that have maybe more compelling like visual and directorial style to them because I think Marvel's at this stage right now where it's done a lot of the formulaic stuff and now it's time to take some chances um, like they've done with like the series that have been on Disney Plus, like the WandaVision series and the Loki series have been like so stylistically unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but the th- interesting thing there is like, those were safer chances because they're with established characters and established IP. Right. This is like new story, like kind of artsy director, like 20 new characters. It's a pretty bold step for Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. But so. they're like, we can make people care about the raccoon and the tree so we can do anything. Exactly. And, and honestly, they're right. They did. <laughs> They've done that. And I think they'll make me care about these characters too. It's hard right now. I think because I don't know trailer them, right? of this scale and be like, super sold but like if you imagine that we've been on the journey that we went through with these characters with mcu phase one through three and this was an equivalent trailer to like an infinity war and game we'd be like hell fucking yeah i'm ready for this movie like let's get mm-hmm. it you know it's true so they're just in a rebuilding just, era yeah we're just had kind of going through the the rebuilding and the process of developing these characters and where these arcs are going to go mm-hmm. for the future of marvel yeah well, speaking of these characters and Marvel, Tyler, how about we play a game where we connect the cast of The Eternals, Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon style, to other Marvel stars? Does that sound fun? Sounds fantastic. So, like, for example, I would say, like, you know, can you connect Kumail Nanjiani to Dave Batista? star from guardians of the galaxy and you'd go yeah kumail nanjiani was in stuber that also starred dave batista who was in guardians of the galaxy you know so things like that that one's an easy one throw away but we can work together we can collab it's kind of a more off the cuff game not as scripted so let's just dive into it so our first challenge tyler is can we connect angelina jolie to chris pratt from guardians of the galaxy Ooh, okay. I think we can do it. Um, all right. Are we we're taking turns with this? Yeah, we'll go back and forth. It's a collab. <sighs> okay, which which end do we want to start with? Let's start Jolie? with Angelina Jolie. Okay. I don't know too much about her filmography. 
I you do can get know to Brad easy. that we can do. Yeah, let's jump off of that and go. Angelina Jolie was a Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Brad Pitt. Okay, and Brad Pitt. Oh, Brad Pitt was in Twelve Years a Save Slave with Chiwetel Ejiofor. Okay, Chuddle and Gia Four is in Doctor Strange. That's like the one Marvel movie I haven't seen all the way through. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's the he's like uh, Doctor Strange's friend turned villain at the end. Okay, Chuddle and Gia Four is in Doctor Strange with uh, what's his face Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch is in Avengers: Infinity War with Chris Pratt. Boo! We, we did, did it. it! Yay! Okay, see, that's the idea. This is kind of fun. Uh, let's try Brian Tyree Henry to um. Let's go. Tom Hiddleston, Loki. Oh, I mean, I'm just saying the character name. <laughs> yeah, we can, yeah, yeah, we no, can no. do. I, no, you said Tom Hiddleston, Loki, and in my mind, I pictured Tom Holland, and I was like, he doesn't play Loki. No, 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 no. <laughs> Brian Tyree Henry to Tom yeah, Hiddleston. No, 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 I got this. I got this. I got this. I can start if you want. Okay. Look, okay. You start. Brian Tyree Henry was in Godzilla vs. Kong with Vera Farmiga. <sighs> okay. Vera Farmiga is an interesting choice. Um, do you already have a plan for how this I mean, goes? I had an idea, but we'll see what you do. I know Vera Farmiga is in the Conjuring movies. Mm-hmm. And, but I forget who the other guy in those movies is. Well, oh. Hmm. We can back it up. We don't have to go with Vera Farmiga. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry was in Godzilla vs. Kong with Kyle Chandler. I don't know if Kyle Chandler's <laughs> filmography. Why are you picking these? Okay, then you go. Who's your Godzilla vs. Kong pick? Or you can go a different movie. Or Brian Tyree Henry was in Into the Spider-Verse with Haley Steinfeld. Okay. And Haley Steinfeld is in um, True Grit with Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges is in Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. Yes, and Robert Downey Jr. is in uh, The Avengers with Tom Hiddleston. We did it! Nailed it. <laughs> First try, easy. Okay, um, what do you say? You want to do one more or two more? What are you thinking? We, we, let's try two more. Okay, we can make it. Uh, let's do Selma Hayek to. Um, how about? Yeah, you wanted to do Tom Holland earlier. Let's do Tom Holland Spider Man. Selma Hayek to Tom Holland. Well, Selma Hayek is in um, like a boss with Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne. Or should we do Tiffany? It, it's up to you. Your choice. I feel like we might let's say let's do Roseburn. Okay, Roseburn is in. Let's see, she's in. I don't know how we're gonna get there, but I'm just gonna keep going. She's in Bridesmaids with Kristen Wiig. That's good, and we're trying to get to to Tom, Tom Holland. Holland, right? Okay, Kristen Wiig is in. Um. Uh, oh, I want to say Barman Starkwood and Vistel Del Mar. But, Do it. Go for it. Um, With who? Who else is in that movie? Jamie Dornan? Jamie Dornan. Okay. Jamie Dornan is in... Um, He's not in that many movies. Fifty Shades of yep. Grey with... Oh, what's her name? What's that actress's the name? The woman that took down Ellen. Yeah, I, I can see her face. Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson. Yeah, Dakota Johnson. Go from her. Is she in Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> we haven't seen those movies. Okay, we need a backtrack. No, no, no. I could get Dakota Johnson. What else is she in? Um, Dakota Johnson. I feel like she's in more stuff, right? She has she's to. Gotta be. be. I'm blanking though. 
What you got anything? Wasn't she just in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Is she in that movie? Is she? I don't look at Dakota Johnson's filmography. I'd say you can look at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to see if she's in it. Okay. Otherwise, that's a that's a little too much knowledge for us. Dakota Fanning is in it. Dakota Fanning. Okay. You want to backtrack? We don't have to go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think what else, what other movies Kristen Wiig is in. I like no bridesmaids really well, but hmm. I can go. Rose Byrne uh, was in Neighbors with Seth Rogen. Okay, that's good. I know Seth Rogen's biography a little mm-hmm. bit better. There we go. We're trying to get to Tom Holland, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm trying to think about other things Tom Holland's been in. Mm. Well, I mean, we can get Seth Rogen to any other marvel actor and then connect yeah like easy an, yeah an, an, an mm-hmm. adventures movie so seth rogan is in i mean in the movie long shot they watch the winter soldier does that count but he he's in that movie with charlie's theron that's long shot yeah yeah mm-hmm. are we doing that let's go charlie's okay theron. i feel like we can get charlie's theron is in um mad max Fury road with tom hardy yep and tom hardy is in bed and let there be carnage with there's gotta be a connect here somewhere isn't there a crossover i mean that's a very big spoiler for that movie <laughs> no with venom isn't there isn't there uh like michael keaton comes back in that's morbius Carnage? that's in oh, the morbius, morbius trailer shoot yeah um we can get there through tom hardy though i thought so right um maybe I mean, I think we can still go through Venom and go to Woody Harrelson. I went to the wrong Spider-Man because Emma Stone is the wrong Spider-Man. Oh <laughs> so my I went to Zombieland after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, they're all going to be inspired. In, in no way home no way anyway, home. right? Does that count? No. Um, Wait, so where did we leave off? Seth, oh, we did Seth, Charlize to, to Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. To Mad, or yeah, to Mad Max. Tom Hardy. Charlize to Mad Max to Tom Hardy. Uh-huh. Tom Hardy's in... Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises with Christian Bale. Keeps Christian Bale's cast in like Thor four. Does that count? No. Okay. Christian Bale is in. Um, oh, he's in American Hustle with. Um, isn't Jeremy Renner in that movie? He is. There we go. Uh, yeah, and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna double check. I haven't seen that movie in a while. Because I might be misremembering that. I think he is. Yeah, Jeremy Renner's in that movie. Perfect. Jeremy Renner's in... Avengers Infinity War with Tom Holland. Yeah. No, he's not in Infinity War. He's in Endgame. There we go. Did it. All right. That one was tough. Okay. Time for the last one. Can we get Richard... Or no, uh, Kumail Nanjiani to Scarlett Johansson. Easy. That one sounds like it should be easy, right? Kumail Johnny is in Stuber with Dave Bautista. <laughs> I forgot about this easy jump. Okay, Dave Bautista's in, let's see, Hotel Artemis with Jodie Foster. Well, yeah, I wonder if we remove the, da- the we're going, Dave we're going to We're going an alternate I can, route. I can go another way. We can okay. go Kumail, let's, let's go the hard route. Okay. Kumail Johnny is in uh, The Big Sick with Ray Romano. What movies are is Ray Romano in? I don't know. He's in Everyone Loves Raymond, but that's all I know he, about this movie. He's in Ice Age. Oh, okay. Um, who what? else is in Ice Age? John Leguizamo. <laughs> is... 
Sure. We'll go with that one. Get Leguizamo. Okay, and John Leguizamo is in uh, Romeo and Juliet. With Leonardo? <laughs> with Leonardo DiCaprio. And Leonardo DiCaprio. Wait, who are we trying to get to here? Scarlet. Okay. Leonardo DiCaprio is in Catch Me If You Can with Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks is in... A recent Tom Hanks project. But I also need to know who's in it. Who else is in it? Because recent Tom Hanks movies have just been. He was in Toy Story 4. Tom Hanks doing stuff. Sure, Tom Hanks is a voice in Toy Story 4 with. I don't want to go to Tim Allen. Go what with the. Uh, um. Hmm. No, I. Tony like, Hale as Forky. That, what is. Tony Hale's mostly in TV. I don't know his filmography very well. Tom Hanks is in. Um. I don't know. Saving Private Ryan with Matt Damon. Matt Damon has a cameo in Thor Ragnarok with Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Why would you go to Anthony Hopkins? I don't know. We're, we're there now. You could say Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is in Thor with Chris Hemsworth. With Chris Hemsworth. Chris, wait, who are we trying to get to? Scarlett Johansson. Chris Hemsworth is in Bad Times at the El Royale. Stop this. <laughs> End it. He's in Avengers with Scarlett Johansson. Yay! <laughs> I was trying to see if we could get. I, I wanted to connect with you, Black Widow. I was trying to get to. Uh, oh, to Florence Pugh, Pugh or David Harbour. Yeah, or even uh, Rachel Vice. Rachel Vice, yeah. Oh, well. Did you Have you seen Black Widow? We yet? made it. No. Oh, it's on Disney Plus for free now. I know. I got to watch it. It's fun. All right. Well, I hope you had fun, listener. That was great. I really love how complicated we had to go from Salma Hayek to Tom Holland. There's definitely a shorter route there somewhere. But... If you find the shorter route without using the internet, let us know on the internet. We're at Preview Review on Twitter and on Instagram. All it takes is for, uh, you know, Salma Hayek was in that movie with Tarantino. And so if Tom Holland just did a Tarantino movie, it'd be very easy. Tom, Tom Holland, why aren't you in Kill Bill 3? make it happen <laughs> well this was a lot of fun tyler yep and that's, this is all we have for today's episode we've reached the terminus the end of our episode wow we've discussed four of these amazing looking movies that are coming mm-hmm. out so shortly but before we sign off ryan i do need to know what was your favorite trailer that we talked about today and which movie that we talked about today are you most excited to see okay i think I think, honestly, my favorite trailer actually might have been Dune. Like, it got me really excited for this movie, and I'm, like, kind of more hyped to see it than I was before the trailer, which is, it did its job, so I think that's my favorite trailer. But I think the movie I'm most excited to see is actually Last Night in Soho, just because I'm a really big Edgar Wright fan, and I want to see what this darker turn looks like. Yeah. I am going to follow your lead, and I'm going to throw, actually, both my votes behind Last Night in Soho. I think this trailer Mm. does a really good job of sort of setting up the atmosphere and the style of this movie and gets me interested uh definitely piques my interest for seeing what Edgar Wright has in store I mean I think all the trailers that we talked about today are good but this one just really kind of speaks to me in terms of like wanting to like unravel the twists and turns that this story has yeah. uh in store for us okay Edgar Wright come get your uh, episode award come get your little golden star sticker and uh when you come uh if you could sign all of my Edgar Wright blu-rays that'd be cool too yeah dude <laughs> I mean World's End is fine, but every other I mean, it like, came in a three pack really like. with a uh, top. Yeah, it's and... just like it just comes with the other Cornetto ones. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, honestly, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, those two movies are like a total toss-up on which one I like best. I think they're both phenomenal. I think Hot Fuzz is better. I think Hot Fuzz might be a little bit better, but Shaun of the Dead I like value because it's like... It's Shaun of the Dead. The the yeah. OG, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, he... what is... Edgar Wright as a musical artist would be interesting to discuss. I think he's Vampire Weekend. Oh, we'll have to talk about this off air. We'll, we'll be back next time to report back. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to like and rate i don't know we haven't asked you guys to do that in a long time um, but... you know do all the podcasting <laughs> things and also if you want to follow us on social media we're on twitter and instagram at preview review you'll be informed when new episodes come out and also ryan's been tweeting a little bit more so maybe you'll see him it's on true there. but no one likes no one engages it's because we have no twitter followers please follow, follow. us on twitter <laughs> it's okay well it's not okay follow us on twitter do it now goodbye Bye.